Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name's Eric Jensen. And today I'm joined by a new friend. End zone guest line, I guess, is what I called this last time. That is God, probably the worst name possible for this segment. But uh we're we're just gonna try to find some people that I can do the podcast with because let's be honest. If I was just doing this podcast alone, that would be kind of depressing. Sure, you know, Eric does it for to keep the resume updated a little bit, to keep the broadcasting skills sharp and, and all that jazz. But really, I do it to hang out with some people and talk about football and get told I'm an idiot and co- tell other people they're idiots and argue and uh, have fun. And uh, that's what I tend to do. So we have a man who just... Straight off the bat, just looks like he's been, like been born his entire life to have fun. Uh, to our good friend Mason, I'm not going to try with the last name. I would totally butcher it, but uh, I I don't know if I'm putting this out as video content or not, but I will just say Mason by far has the best facial hair that's ever been on this podcast. That mustache is absolutely stunning, my friend. Welcome to the Enzo Podcast. Ah, man, Eric, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks, I do, you know, I groom the mustache quite frequently to uh, my wife's chagrin. So, you know, COVID uh, has done strange things to all of us. (laughs) And I guess this is what it did to me. So, uh, no, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate uh, getting to come on here. So, um, how you doing? I'm doing great. Things are going well here in Salt Lake City. I've been working a lot over the past few weeks, putting in the hours in the dead of the summer, grinding away. But fear not, the MLB All-Star break is this week, so I plan on having a few days off and cataloging, hopefully, quite a few podcasts during that time so we can drop them when they're scheduled to drop. I know we dropped one on Wednesday this week, I'm hoping I can do the same thing next week. No promises. Uh, We are definitely still trying to do one a week, though. This one will come out on a Sunday, our AFC East preview. So, Mason, you are from the Buffalo area, a Bills fan, one. Congratulations. That's just a beautiful thing to be at this point in human history. I know it's a tortured fan base, and they lost four Super Bowls in a row. And I get it. Heartbreak, yada, 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 yada. But – where you're at right now, what you've got set up, you're in a pretty sweet place fandom-wise right now. And I just wanted to say I, I'm pretty hyped to have a Buffalo Bills fan on here because they're some of the most passionate fans in the entirety of the NFL. So thank you again very much for coming on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your Bills fandom, how it got started, and uh, maybe pick your favorite Bill's moment, not from the Josh Allen era. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it started, you know, when I was a kid, my grandparents were fans. Um, and so I kind of picked it up from them a little bit and I kind of lost touch with it. And then uh, a friend of mine got me into some fantasy football, just thought it would be fun to do, you know, hang out, talk some trash with some guys, throw together some fun lineups, whatever. And, um, you know, a, a little bit of that, that Bills fan in the back of my brain was like, 
uh, you should pick up CJ Spiller. And this was like the, the year or two after he was drafted. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was the year he went off. It was, he absolutely won me the league. Him and LaShawn McCoy, who was still on the Eagles at that point, absolutely like demolished everything. And I got him in like the eighth round or some crazy stuff like that. And so I absolutely fell in love again while I was just like watching the games. And I, I realized like a year afterwards, two years afterwards that, um, as much as I enjoyed kind of like the fantasy aspect of it and, and doing that sort of thing, like there was a lot more uh, like passion that was coming out of uh, watching the game itself. And, and I was really like more living and dying with like how the bills were doing rather than how my team was doing. And so it was kind of like hard to, to want to focus on any of that stuff. And so I just really got back into it. And then uh, Rex Ryan came and, we were all very excited about that originally. And, and I picked up some season tickets and, and just I've been there ever since. And so um, had favorite moment uh, that doesn't involve the Josh Allen era. Um, it's going to be probably very petty and sad to say, um, but it was the year uh, we stole the playoffs from the jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, uh, yes. I was I, I was at that game um, because again it was Rex Ryan era while he was here and uh, man it was a beautiful thing sending them home and not letting them in uh, but again a little petty but it was it was a really great moment for our fan base just because I, I mean the rivalries I feel like we have with at least the Jets and the Dolphins is like a real thing there's there's definitely like a real back and forth unfortunately the Patriots have felt like our big brother for like a very long time. And like the saddest part is, is like half of the Patriots fans that like I've personally met and like some of my other friends have met, like when we talk about the bills and like, we want to like be like a little antagonistic with them. Like, Oh, we're, we're beating you now. Like, uh, they're like, it's really nice for you guys that you're doing so well now. And it's like, <laughs> that's not the answer I want. Like it's just this like big brother mentality. They're just like, we're really proud of you guys. You've finally grown up a little bit. You've decided to join the rest of society. And it's just like, that's not, not the answer I want from you. I want disappointment. And it's just, it's not coming yet. So, and, and now they got Mac Jones who, I mean, you know, there's parts of his game that look really nice and with Bill Belichick, they're still, you know, he has a resume a mile long, especially against the freaking bills before he was with the Patriots, even stealing Super Bowls from us. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to wonder if he can't just come and break our hearts again sometimes. Yeah, no, you, that Jets team, just go back to that for a second, was insanely fun, if I remember correctly. Like, that was Ryan, that, it was like, Ryan Fitzpatrick had some kind of career record for passing yards that year, I'm pretty sure. And that was, I'm, I'm uh, almost certain you're right. Yeah. That was, the Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall Jets, right? Brandon Marshall was the other guy. I know Eric Decker was on there for sure. No, you're definitely right about Eric Decker. And I'm wondering if it was somebody else the year after, but the only thing I remember of Eric Marshall was that horrible pitch. He did straight into one of the bills defenders helmets. And I think it was bills. I can't remember who exactly they were playing, but it was, that was literally all I remember of his career, unfortunately with the jets, which is so undeserved because he had, I think a way better career than a lot of people recognize. It's just, I mean, he was with the bears and he just never got into the playoffs. And it's really hard when you don't get seen on that national stage sometimes to, to really like prove yourself, you know? Yeah. 
I'm just trying to figure that out. I do believe that I do want to say that is um, that it was Brandon Marshall. I, I want to say that was the guy. I, like I'm as I'm furiously Googling right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2016 receivers. It's got to be because it, it is just got to be uh, Brandon Marshall, I believe. Brandon Marshall, yes. And Quincy Inunua in the slot. That's uh, right. What uh, what a group that was. What a Jets team that was. That's probably the best the Jets have been in the past 15 years, maybe. Well, no, that's too long. That would have gone back to when they were in the in the title yeah, games, Sanchez but, brought them to the two title games yeah. but but it's gotta be like the last 10 years for sure that that's the best jets team that has existed so uh that uh indeed must be a fun memory snatching the playoffs from them i do remember watching that game uh it was fun fact nationally broadcast as it was a playoff clinching type game in salt lake city so uh i uh I do remember watching that game and it, you know, it was, you know, don't remember the details of course, but what a fun season that jet season was. I do remember Brian Fitzpatrick falling out there in the big apple momentarily. So that brings us to this year. Uh, This is our AFC East preview. What we're going to do is we're just going to go and, you know, casually talk about all four teams in the division. Uh, and, you know, you're our guest. So so it's only right that we start with the Buffalo Bills. And I just want to run something by you here really quick as I pull up my AFC's cheat sheet here that I've been working on over the past few weeks. Uh, I'm just going to present my biggest question for the Bills. I know I said you could. But I, I've just got to ask you this because you're, you seem like the preeminent person to ask about Bill's stuff. Um, who, who exactly is stopping the Buffalo Bills? Because on paper, this looks like it's probably one of the top three rosters in the NFL, hands down. I don't really see a weakness. Maybe Kair Elam has like rookie struggles and you're a little bit thin at cornerback again. But other than that, man, everything looks pretty good for the Buffalo Bills right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, on paper, it definitely does look, you know, like such a good roster. I mean, our, our biggest questions, I think, honestly, um, if you're talking pure roster, because I mean, I think biggest question overall, if you're talking about like team directed, um, would be more, uh, you know, what's Ken Dorsey going to do with the offense? And so I think it's probably going to be a pretty good continuation of what Brian DeBole was up to just because, I mean, it's, he's been with the team like three years now. I mean, I think he was uh, tight ends or offensive line coach, something like that before he was QB coach with Josh Allen last year. And so, and I mean, if Josh is stumping for him, I got to imagine that, you know, there's something there at least that he likes. Um, but I, you know, cornerback, I think obviously uh, Trey White is still, I don't believe slated to play for week one or anything like that. So we're really not sure when we're going to get him back. 
And I mean, considering what we did in the playoffs, I mean, we're missing who was at that point, I would say our, our best defensive player. And, and I mean, we still did pretty decently, I would say. And so, you know, we're, we are thinner at cornerback. We lost, um, and now I've absolutely lost his name. Uh, I went over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, That's okay. Anyway, um, I forget, was, you know, number one over. rule of podcasting here, Mason. Let me just, let me just tell you something here, especially on this podcast. If you don't know a guy's name, it's literally just, man, shoot, I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I'm just forgetting at this moment and then furiously Google for a minute. And if that <laughs> still doesn't come up, just be like, oh, just know they lost some pieces this offseason. So don't you worry about it. You know, keep it. We, we are on a good pace right here on the Enzo podcast. This is this is not. This is not ESPN. This is this is Eric Jensen's backyard fantasy uh, camp for uh, wannabe football analysts. So you are absolutely fine, my man. No, I get it. They 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 did lose some pieces as you always do. That you know, a change at guard. You bring in Roger Saffold. Um, that looked a little bit interesting, but you know, I do think that. Saffold was pretty good for the Titans last year. So I, I, I think it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent move there, but yeah, I, I yeah, think definitely offensive line was probably one of our, our bigger um, concerns as well before. I mean, and I think what Roger Saffold brings, if I remember he graded pretty well as a run blocker. And I think that's really what we've needed a little bit more of in our offense. I mean, um, watching, you know, every game of the year with these guys, there's so many games where you're watching and, and you get to watch Josh Allen. Uh, we like to call him dead stick, Josh Allen, where he literally just like drops his feet and just stands there. And it will happen for like a full second where he is just literally not moving in any way, shape or form. He's not on his toes in any way while he's just completely unfazed by anything that's happening because we do seem to have, you know, a pretty good pass blocking team. I mean, Deion Dawkins is, is been an excellent rock for our offense for a while. Mitch Morse has done a pretty ad admirable job at center since we picked him up from the chiefs. Um, and we actually do have some depth there. I mean, uh, obviously our, our rookie last year, Spencer Brown, um, he had a, a decent year. I don't think he graded out super well, but he's a rookie offensive lineman. I think there's a lot that you have to you know learn about there catch up to speed. We've got um, Ike Bodiger behind them, who I think he can switch between center and line. I mean, we've got a lot of depth there, but again, the run blocking, I think was one of our bigger issues. Devin Singletary, when he had the holes to hit, seemed like he would hit them and he would get the positive yardage. But when the holes weren't there, he's always trying to like bounce to the outside. He's trying to like get back and he just doesn't seem like he's ever making quite like that edge and he's always getting taken down for you know either negative yard or two or he's getting hit right at the line and it's just not working out and so I think you know James Cook obviously uh picking up in second round I think is going to do that but I, your original question who's going to stop him I mean the Chiefs obviously is the the only team that that I personally care about like a whole lot just because they're the guys who stomped on our dreams two years in a row now 
Mm-hmm. You know, we beat them in the regular season last year pretty convincingly, but how much does that matter when the postseason shows up and then 13 seconds and an overtime coin flip and the whole season is just washed down the drain? I mean, it's still wildly successful from like an outside point of view, but as a fan base who just desperately wants that Super Bowl and who loves Josh Allen, who loves this team, I mean, the team has really been such like a rock in our community. It's just that's who we want done, you know? Yeah, nope. I I feel you, man. You 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 want to win that Super Bowl, but the way they lost last year was extremely heart wrenching, and you know you you've got to get over that hump and and get to the big game. And you know to do that, you have to add guys like Von Miller, and that's that's what they did because yeah, Von Miller and. People are going to freak out about Von Miller. Let me just tell you that right now, Mason, because Von Miller is going to go into like January with probably, let's just say eight sacks. Let's be really friendly. Let's let's just say Von Miller heads into January with eight sacks. And everyone's going to be like, wow, why'd they waste all this money on Von Miller? They didn't really have a pass rush. And then you're going to find out, Oh, yeah. Von Miller only really tries at this point in his career when it gets to be January. And then January is going to hit and Von Miller is going to get you like two sacks of playoff game. And that's huge. And that's just going to really help you out a ton. So let me just say, as a former Von Miller fan and a current Von Miller fan, as someone who just loves Von Miller, congratulations. You have playoff Von Miller. That's going to help you out a ton. I know. I mean, and the fact, I mean, think about the fact that I didn't even mention Von Miller and all the other players that we have available to us. We have such a good team before we were like, oh, let's get Von Miller in here and let him just ruin a guy's day. I'm so excited for it. I mean, I loved watching him in Denver. Actually, um, another favorite moment of mine from Bill's history was when Denver was here in Buffalo and he had, I think he sacked Tyrod Taylor. Or he just knocked him to the ground. I can't remember exact outcome of the play. Oh, but he yeah, reaches I down to help him up and he does the psych move and yeah. throws it over his head and gets flagged. <laughs> and you see Taylor laugh at him immediately. And Bill's fans, first off, freak out furious von miller is a dead man he tried to hurt our quarterback how dare he and then the replay hits the big screen where you actually see him like not touch his hand psych him out they're both laughing at each other and you see tyrod laugh at him so much more as the flag hits and i think most of uh bill's fans fell in love with von miller at that point because we were just like oh he's a funny guy having like a good time on the field and we absolutely love that and it, you know, it was hilarious that it got flagged. Unfortunate for him. I think you guys still won the game, so it's not like it really mattered end of, but uh, yeah, Von Miller's good moment. probably going down in, in NFL history is like one of the most interesting, just kind of side characters the NFL has ever seen. The guy was like a chicken farmer in like Southern Texas, and he's just like one of the best pass rushers to ever play the game. But if he wasn't playing football, would just be running a chicken farm somewhere in Southern Texas. So, uh, it, you know, it, it it is always good to find a fellow Von Miller fan out there. How I miss him. A good guy, that Von Miller. Anyhow, so let's ask you one more question before we move on to our next team here. Gabriel Davis, there's that report out there a few weeks ago that he's coming in at what? 227, right? Yep. You know, you look at that 
six to two twenty seven. You look at that and you say, oh, wow, the Buffalo Bills now not have only one, but two X receivers is Gabriel Davis. Am I overhyping Gabriel Davis? Because I personally believe Gabriel Davis is just going to have a monster season this year. So I think, I think he's been an excellent receiver pretty much since he's gotten it. I mean, he, even the year before uh, he had those two amazing catches against the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs where they were both just like on the sideline needed to have it. And, and it was just like, again, that toe drag swag Nate Burleson used to do on good morning football. I think both of them made it. Uh, just an absolute incredible player. And again, gaining that weight, being that size, like he's going to be a big guy. He's going to be able to push dudes clean off the line. I mean, and he, his route running was already like so good. And it seems like he's really taken to Stefan Diggs, who again, is just like one of the best route runners there is out there. You just watch what he does to guys and just breaking ankles all over the place. And Gabe Davis is doing some of the same stuff. And his hands are just like so strong. You've seen him just like pull balls out of the air right in front of defenders. And it's just, he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. I don't know if the production's necessarily going to be there. I mean, we picked up Jamison Crowder to go in the slot. We already have Isaiah McKenzie. We pick up a couple more receivers in the draft. We've got Dawson Knox, who is an absolute touchdown machine this last year. He went to that eye surgeon and apparently it fixed everything or whatever. Because the first year it was like a 50% chance as to whether or not he was going to put the ball on the ground and last year it just I don't know that he dropped it that I can really remember it might have been one or two I'm sure but I mean he comes down with a pass that Josh literally meant to throw out of bounds and away from it like that that's a guy who can catch and then we pick up OJ Howard who I know has had you know injury issues and and didn't get used a whole lot down on the bucks but you know who knows maybe playing in this offense given that he'll be the fifth option on the field at any given moment, gives him some opportunity too. Uh, and Josh has been really good, you know, this past year and the year before about really taking like what's given to him. And so, you know, if Gabe's not the one who's open, he's not going to be the one who gets the ball. I mean, look at Stefani got what two catches in that uh, division round and Gabe Davis ends up getting four touchdowns just because he's cooking dudes left, right and sideways. And Stefan's pulling two guys with him every play. So it's, I, you know, he's, he's, his, his percentages are going to be there. It's just the production is going to, I think, be hard to come by for almost anybody in the Bills offense, just because there's so many people that can get, get the ball and, and do just a really good job of it. I just want to point something out here as well to non-Bills fans, and then we'll move on to our next team here. If Josh Allen, let's just talk about Josh Allen for a second, because Josh Allen, I love quarterbacks. Let me just say that, Mason. We're, we're both fans of the Around Me NFL podcast. I consider myself a Greg Rosenthal kindred spirit. If I had the time, I'd write my own QB index every week. I just love quarterbacks. I, I, I'm too stupid to understand. This is also what it comes down to. I'm too stupid to understand the complicated parts of football. Like, like the X's and O's, where the corners are going to go, what's open, like zone coverages, split coverages, all this defensive jargon. 
I don't get that. I have not spent enough time on that. I probably need to, at some point in my life when I am not employed, probably need to spend some time looking into the X's and O's of how football actually works. And I know quarterback is an insanely cerebral position. And to pretend, to pretend you know like like you know quarterbacks and like it's an easy position to understand is stupid. But I'm going to do that anyways because it's just the easiest position to understand. You can watch a quarterback and you can immediately say, oh, yeah, he's pretty good or – Oh yeah, he's not very good. So I love quarterbacks and I love Josh Allen. Like there is no one on Game Pass that makes me terrible. By the way, I've been praising Game Pass forever. I will say on this episode, terrible product. I don't know if I'm reinvesting this year. The YouTube highlights are honestly better at this point. Game Pass has gone downhill tremendously NFL plus please fix this but Josh Allen just makes me say wow like there are only there are only like I would say five quarterbacks in the NFL where when I see them make throws consistently on a week-to-week basis like every week of the NFL season there are two like wow or oh my god throws a, a week And that's probably Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. I'm like Tom Brady does it so cerebrally. He never really makes those throws. He's just like insanely consistent and like just dices you. He's not, he's not really an, Oh my God type thrower. So I'll say, Hmm. I guess Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson. Sure, why not? Even though he's been a little bit inconsistent over the past year and a half. Josh Allen. When the Bills offense and passing game is struggling a little bit week to week in like week seven, don't panic. Because Josh Allen's just a streaky quarterback. There are weeks where Josh Allen isn't quite fully there. Take the Atlanta game last year. But when Josh Allen gets streaky, he usually gets streaky good. I would argue no quarterback had better command of an offensive system or of a position, period, than Josh Allen from the second time he played the Patriots to the end of his season. That's just a fact. I'm just going to say that. That's just a fact. Am I wrong on any of this? I just wanted to share my Josh Allen love with you. (laughs) So, no, I I mean, the streakiness, I think there's definitely a little bit of truth to that. And and, um, I think some of it, though, um, especially like last year and and the thing that that I'm going to, you know, be the little homer here on this one. Um, that the stats it, please. You know, lot, lot, that this, the stats lie a little bit about is you see like that 63% overall completion percentage. Well, the thing it's not telling you is that like three of the home games last year, four of the home games last year were in like 30, 40 mile an hour plus wins. They were in rain and he is still throwing the ball with like some pretty good accuracy overall. I mean, the game they played against the Patriots that was here where Mac Jones threw the ball three times. It, it, you know, 
didn't end up the way we wanted it to, but Josh was still throwing the ball pretty decently. I thought Um, the decision-making I think gets away from him a little bit sometimes. And um, I know at least a lot of fans, you know, around me where I sit and, you know, on the message board and stuff like that, a lot of them like to blame Brian DeBowl for a little bit of that streakiness that happens too, because they think he tries to get a little too cute with how the play calling works. And then when they dial it back again and they let Josh kind of do what Josh does, it it fixes itself. But I don't know if necessarily that's super fair to attribute to one person and how they're doing, you know, their job with that, especially since, you know, I'm like you, I don't know enough about the X's and O's to really be like informed of like, oh, well, he threw this here because of this. And this is what he was looking at. And this is why he knew that. But, you know, Brian DeBole has, has, pulled out some really masterful drives on occasion too. So I think it's fair to give him at least a little bit of credit and, and his due on like, he was a pretty competent play caller. I think, you know, execution sometimes was what got away with him. Uh, You know, it was admitted in an interview about the, the divisional game and how they lost that like Tyree kill getting away from him during that 13 second drive. Part of it was just an execution failure. It was one of our cornerbacks didn't look back at where one of the safeties was and he thought he was in a different position than he was supposed to be and so when Tyreek went he thought he had help somewhere else he missed leverage and then you know he gains that huge gain right there and so sometimes it really is just you know they're in the right place but the execution doesn't happen and so um yeah it it is it's hard to disagree with that but you're right I mean his highs are so much higher than so many other quarterbacks in the league Justin Herbert I think is one of the other guys Patrick Mahomes obviously are, are just, they have those games where it's just transcendent. They're the way they throw the ball with the, the velocity that you see that comes on the ball with those particular quarterbacks too. Like you just don't see it in every other quarterback because other guys just don't have the arm to do the same thing. Yeah. That's the Bills. I will say we, we both probably have the Bills finishing in the same spot. I have them winning the division pretty easily. Um that's just the way, just the way I feel about them. I I don't know if I'm as crazy high on them as some people. I did say who's going to stop them. I think maybe five teams. The schedule is tough. It is the AFC, but I think they're a 12, 13 win team for sure. They're they're, they're easily going to get there. So that that's kind of where I have the Bills record wise. Would you disagree with that? No, that's honestly exactly where I have them at, too, is probably in that 12 to 13 range. I mean, the AFC is an absolute nightmare this year. I mean, the only saving grace is we don't play the AFC West. (laughs) I mean, you've got four competent to great quarterbacks and pass rush just coming out of every which way. Like, I do not envy uh, your fan base right now, not because you don't have a good team, but just because of how many good teams you have that are waiting to play you two games this year. Yes, it is going to be tough. I will just say that. Let's get to your arch rivals, the Patriots. Uh, The New England Patriots. The biggest question for them, Mason, is what? So for me, the biggest question for them is who is going to call plays? Uh, I mean, is, are they, did they keep McDaniel's playbook and is Bill just going to like tape? uh, Oh my God. Absolutely. Blank in here. Is they're going to take Matt Patricia to a chair and like hold his eyes open while he just runs like (laughs) McDaniel's playbook and program him to become the next McDaniel's like what's going to happen with that? Will he build a new robot? 
because obviously Tom Brady got away from him and is now working for someone else. So he, he needs a new one of those coming down. It's, you know, who's, who's going to call plays for them? Uh, I mean, their wide receiver room, I think, is probably a pretty good question, too. Not that Nikhil Harry was really helping them out at all. 300 and some odd yards last year receiving or in his career total so far. And they traded him for a seventh round pick. Shows how much, you know, they really thought he was going to help the team. But who's their number one? Nelson Aguilar? I, I mean, I guess Devontae Parker would probably be the, the guy that they put in trading from the Dolphins. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, maybe Kendrick Bourne. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Kendrick Bourne did have a pretty good year last year. Like, I'm not sure to be honest with you. Uh, I think they got a lot of twos and threes. I think. Yeah, you know, and yeah, there's no one. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Mason. There's just no one on this roster. There's there's just not. And let me just tell you something here, Mason. If if Matt Patricia really is calling plays for Patriots offense, Patriots offense is in serious trouble. It's in in like very serious trouble because one, this is a defensive coach. Like what? Like this guy has coached defense his entire life and you're telling me all of a sudden he's going to be calling offensive plays? Okay, and who's your backup? Oh yeah, Joe Judge. So you're going to get either a guy who's been coaching defense his whole life to call plays or the guy who called a quarterback sneak on third and nine to be the guy calling plays. That seems like two really terrible options. I really don't know how the Patriots ended up in this position. I like what Bill Belichick has made some short-sighted decisions over the past few years. This is just a fact. But this is perhaps the most short-sighted one because they will not be a top 15 offense by mid-November. And I, I, I feel very strongly in saying that. I don't think this is a good team, personally. I see the Patriots as finishing dead last in this division, if we're being completely honest with ourselves. Here's the other reason. Because my other question is, what are you doing in the secondary? Because Devin McCourty just retired, and you're basically asking three safeties to play massive coverage snaps. And you're like, okay, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, B-stars. And then your cornerbacks are Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills. Like, what think, are they getting Jonathan Jones back right away? Like, and when he comes back, you know, is he going to be the same guy he was when he left? I mean, they yeah. picked up Malcolm Butler again. Can he, I mean, but was he ever a star? Or did was that Super Bowl what got him paid? Yeah, like, how are you stopping the pass? Like, you arguably have three high power passing attacks in your division. Like, what are you going to do? Like, God forbid, God forbid Tua gets good. God forbid Tua gets good because how are you going to stop Tua? Tua, they're just gambling that Zach Wilson and Tua don't get good. That's And, and maybe that's a smart gamble. Maybe it is. But I'm just going to say, I think there's a like better than 50% chance that one of those two guys this year is good. And like, what? What are you going to do, Ben? I just, uh, it's just, you know, the <laughs> no, Patriots, I mean, man. I, 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 they've I, got maybe Matt Judon. 
it's it's not looking good for their defense and and that was another question I wrote on my blog earlier this week. Will Matt Judon even like produce at a good level for a whole year? Because he like yeah, stopped. He basically stopped playing football in December last year. He was like, all right, I'm going to take December off. I've had a pretty great season. I don't need to finish this thing off. Uh, let me just do that. You, you're going to count on Deke Trip Wise Jr.? Like, okay, I, I guess. I mean, I, I just uh, – I don't understand the Patriots. I don't understand the Patriots. I think they're a seven-win team. I like. I just don't understand the Patriots because you're right. There's promise in Mac Jones. He showed you that he's probably like at least a four or five-year answer for you, and you did nothing to help him. You did nothing to get better on offense. And at that point, you're taking the same strategy as the Chicago Bears, who did nothing to help Justin Fields get any better. And when you're following the same plan as the Chicago Bears in New England, there is a serious problem. I do not know how Robert Kraft has not stepped in at this point and been like, Bill, after Tommy left, like you started making some egregious missteps. All that said, all that said, Mason, I am an idiot. The Patriots, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, will have, let's see here, let's say six to seven wins by late November. They will be a team fighting for the top of the AFC East somehow, despite logically it not making any sense. So congratulations, Patriots fans. You'll be in the playoff hunt, but really enjoy getting beat down by the Bills again in the playoffs because that's what's going to happen. So I've said my piece on the Patriots. I'm sorry. I just feel very strongly that the Patriots are like a joke of an organization at this point, and somehow they get away with it, and it just makes me crazy. Believe me, I hope that that is absolutely how it happens. It's just for 20 years, that man has been torturing our souls in Buffalo. And so it's hard to look past all of that history and be like, no, he's definitely dead in the water right now. But I mean, you look at it logically and it's like, they didn't really upgrade their defense in any meaningful way. And in two straight games against the Bills, you didn't get a single defensive stop. They literally in the playoffs put up a perfect offensive game, 480 yards available, 480 yards gotten. Like how embarrassing must that feel? I mean, Bill Belichick comes to the locker room to congratulate Josh Allen personally after the game that, you know, what did you do to stop that from happening to you again? I don't see where, what you did, who you got, that's going to make that difference for you. I mean, you, you've got a bunch of rookie cornerbacks and I guess there's maybe some history in him being a good enough defensive coach to get some good play out of some guys who maybe aren't as good as they look when they're playing for him, but you lose JC Jackson too, your best corner, the guy who's contending to be a top 10 corner in the league. And you guys let him walk for his salary. I mean, maybe they're hurting that bad for salary. I also don't understand the salary cap at all. I know it's totally made up money and it's completely fictional and it's all a lie, but you know, 
they got to be doing something over there with it. I don't know what's happening. But, uh, you know, that being said, they're probably going to end up winning freaking 10, 11 games and absolutely making me sweat until that last game because we play them week 18 here and it's going to probably come down to that game and I'm going to have to watch it sweating bullets the whole time. Well, yeah, probably. I, I just, I am, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have any words on the Patriots, to be completely honest with you. I just, uh, they're just a team. They just exist. That's all I, that's all, <laughs> that, that, that's all I know about the Patriots at this point. Perhaps one of the biggest mysteries to me. Let's talk about the New York Jets. The New York Jets, often the laughing stock of the NFL. Let me just ask this to you. Will Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson be able to step up at wide receiver? Because on paper, it looks great. But last year, Corey Davis was hampered by an abdominal injury throughout the year and wasn't a consistent contributor on offense. And Garrett Wilson is hyped to be a wide receiver type one, but doesn't necessarily have that size in him. And I, you know, I follow the draft like semi closely. I was not a huge fan of his coming out. I didn't think he should have been drafted as high as he was. What do you think about those two Jets wide receivers? Let's just forget about Zach Wilson for a minute and just ask, is the talent around him good enough? What do you think? So, yeah, I'll be honest, you know, the draft there's very little I know. I do not watch college football in any meaningful way. I'll sometimes, you know, go and catch some highlights from some of the guys who, you know, we've picked up or some of the guys I'm hoping we're going to pick up stuff like that. So Garrett Wilson is, is a bit of a mystery to me on that front, but um, just let's, you know, talk track record of receivers in general lately. There are just so, so many that come into the league and are just like immediate excellent contributors for their team. I mean, just thinking about our own transactions, the Justin Jefferson uh, acquisition from the Vikings after the trade that uh, Stefan Diggs, I mean, that worked out amazingly for them. They got a dude who year one is just an absolute stud. Look at, you know, the, the Bengals, they get, uh, you know, just so much production out of these rookie ride receivers these days. So, you know, it's totally possible he could come in and be absolutely excellent. And, you know, Corey Davis, I think that he's done pretty well, you know, back on Tennessee and everything. And, you know, maybe it will help him to get a little bit more volume thrown his way, uh, you know, get more into the whole thing. I think he's going to do a pretty good job, Um, you know, minus the Zach Wilson thing. I think they have the ability to be at least a good enough wide receiver core to get you far enough, especially if you've got a decent run game and you've got a decent blocking thing. I, I, you know, a lot of the teams do have these huge wide receivers, but, there's a lot of teams that get it done without it too, or you just have a, a lot of like good enough guys that can really do it. Yeah. The other thing with the wide receiving core, that's a little bit concerning. Elijah Moore went into camp last year, was like hyped up really super high. Like you live in the area. Elijah Moore's like training camp hype last year was unreal. Like was, yeah. the issue Though, the issue, though, let me tell you, is that Elijah Moore last year 
only really produced when Joe Flacco came into the lineup. And and that's a red flag. <laughs> it's just it's just a red flag about so many different things about your offense, about Zach Wilson, about Elijah Moore. Like when you're having your most success with Joe Flacco's corpse, like that's a problem. And it is, it's just a problem. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. Listen, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm from Utah, born and raised. Not, neither of my parents are. I, I'm a transplant from the rest, some from Colorado and like very like rural Southern Pennsylvania. But I, I, I just, I stump for Utah guys. I love Utah guys. If you went to BYU or you went to Utah, I'm going to root for you in the NFL. Like, it's just going to be, it's just going to be the way it is. And Zach Wilson, a guy who went to high school in Utah, went to high school against a team. I, he wasn't in high school at the time, but a team, my high school football team played while, while here in Utah corner Canyon. I'm just going to root for Zach Wilson. I, the eternal optimist, really think Zach Wilson's going to step up this year. Maybe not be an all, he's not, nothing crazy. But I think Zach Wilson can be league average. I think he showed a little bit last year where if he's healthy and if he's got the right situation, I go back to the Titans game. He can be a top 15 to 18 starting quarterback in the NFL. Is it crazy to say Zach Wilson will finish as the 15th best quarterback in the NFL this year? Is that crazy? I mean, crazy. I don't know if it's crazy, but man, the quarterback playing the NFL right now, I feel like it's just that like an all-time high yeah, there. That's true. I mean, when, when you're talking <laughs> about the be best quarterback <laughs> in the league, there's like five or six guys who you could call the number one guy. And yeah, people obviously are going to be like, no, you're an idiot. That's not right. But like, you've got some compelling arguments on your hands that yeah. Aaron Rodgers is the best guy. You've got some pretty compelling arguments that Josh is the best guy, that Patrick Mahomes is the best guy, that Justin Herbert is the best guy. Like you've got a lot of compelling arguments that Tom Brady's still the best guy. Hell, you know, I mean, so you're that deep on just who the best guy might be for him to be better than 10 more guys. When you've got Russell Wilson sitting around, when you've got Joe Burrow still, who didn't make that list, when you've got Lamar Jackson, who hasn't been mentioned yet, when you've got, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I know is not necessarily the best thought of quarterback, but he's probably somewhere in that range. And Derek Carr, and I get, the list goes on. I guess my question is, can he be as good or better than Kirk Cousins? Okay. Um, I, you know, it, I think it could be possible that he could probably be about Kirk Cousins. I, some of the plays he saw, I think he'd at least be a little more aggressive than Kirk Cousins. So you'd see like a little bit of a different thing where like, you know, that notorious yelling from Justin Jefferson, just throw the ball, Kirk. Like, you know, they clearly have that problem that if he's not seeing it, sometimes he just ain't taking the, the throw where it seemed like Zach was willing to, to, you know, make those, some of those anticipatory throws that you've got to make to be successful, but just, you know, wasn't when he made them all the time. Um, but 
he he had again a couple of games where it seemed like he put a lot of stuff together and then there were a lot of games where he looked completely lost but rookie quarterbacks you know notoriously have a lot of problems and it's probably not fair to compare people to Josh Allen despite the fact that almost everybody with somebody on their rookie car contract seems to want to do these days is be like oh well they can get better like Josh Allen did and it's like well if you look at the statistics and the numbers that genuinely doesn't happen like at all but that being said I, I think Zach Wilson could put together you know eight ten games where he is a competent enough quarterback to definitely not lose the game and to maybe make a couple of plays that are going to win it here and there I mean he had the legs to make a couple of plays to to put that pressure on a defense that always helps out your offensive coordinator they got Brees Hall who, who I think might take a little bit of pressure off him to have to make throws. I'm going to say something crazy just because I like to say stuff that's crazy. I can see a way the Jets win 10 games this year. I, I, I need to pull up my Zoom so I can see your face. I, I can see a way the Jets can win 10 games this year. I, the mustache is hiding some of the disbelief just yes yeah I, I i do and it's I mainly mean, because have a, an easier schedule so you know. it's mainly because of the defense i really do think they have the bones the backbone if everyone stays healthy and that's a huge if that if things go right, they could be a top 10 defense because you've got Carl Lawson as a pass rusher, hopefully looking okay. Achilles injuries are tough to come back from. I know that, but he was a beast with the Bengals before he got there. Quinnen Williams is a guy who's knocking on the all pro door. Sheldon Rankin's a good defensive tackle as well. They draft Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state, who was a very highly rated guy. CJ Mosley when healthy is the best player on the defense and a true difference maker. And really it's the sauce Gardner pick for me because four years I have done this exact podcast episode, Mason. And I have said, who exactly are the Jets playing at corner? And for the first time in like at least seven years, I do not have to say who exactly are the Jets playing at corner because at least they have a guy who I know his name. So I think for that reason and for the fact that I think they will get better throughout the year, this can be a 10-win team. And I just believe in Robert Sala. I just believe in Robert Sala as a good NFL head coach who can get stuff out of his team. Is 10 wins enough to make the playoffs in the AFC? Likely not. So, but still, I think 10 wins is within reach. And I know that's crazy, but I've just got to put it out there. You know, and there's chances that it can happen, you know, any given Sunday sort of a thing. Uh, I, it would be nice to see the Jets put it together for a change, to be honest. I mean, they you're right, laughing stock of the league is definitely a pretty accurate moniker for what them and like the Jaguars have been going through perpetually for just years and years now, where they just can't. And I mean, you're right, the the upgrades to the defense, top 10 defense, I don't think that's even remotely out of the ballpark. I think that would be pretty easy for them to obtain the, the level of talent that they have on it and just their access to be able to 
push that offensive line. I think it's going to be really powerful. And then again, that back end sauce Gardner, if he, as long as he can put it together and bring it to this next level, like I, they could probably even be a, a top five, a top three defense in the league. Realistically, and all it's going to come up down on is can their offense hold on to the ball enough to make sure their defense isn't stuck on the field the whole time. Mm. Indeed. Let's talk about the dolphins. The Dolphins are Tua away, Tua Tagovailoa away from being a team that actually matters in the AFC and and can make some real noise. Like I fully believe that if Tua showed up and was and was a Kirk Cousins or better passer, and he may already kind of be around that mark. But if he was fighting to get into the top 10 this year, this roster has the potential to probably beat the Bills at in Miami, maybe, and like get to 12 wins. Like, I, let me just read the roster to people who may be unfil- unfamiliar. One, you bring a Kyle Shanahan uh, disciple in, which never a bad move, um, as suddenly his name forgets, you know, drops out McDaniel. of my, my mind entirely. McDaniel? Yep. And I'm, I'm very sad to say as a Bills fan that I saw him on the Pat McAfee show and just absolutely fell in love with the man. He is such like an odd dude who just has all this just like weird stuff clearly going on in his brain and is willing to say most of it. And uh, I don't know if I'd want him as my head coach, but I absolutely love him as a human being. He seems like he is this wonderfully wacky dude who is going to be really cool. Mike McDaniels. That's Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels is the name I was looking for, but he brings with him Chase Edmonds, pretty good in Arizona last year. Raheem Moster pretty good in San Francisco when he was healthy and miles Gaskin, pretty good third down back. The wide receiving core looks like Tyree kill. Very good NFL wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, apparent Tyree kill clone and Cedric Wilson, pretty good Cowboys fourth option last year. Tight end Mike Gesicki, a guy that is up and down, but is for the most part right on the edge of being a difference-making tight end. They add Teron Armstead to the offensive line, and that shores up, and Connor Williams for that matter, that shores up a pretty good-looking offensive line. The pass rush is a little bit questionable, you know, depending on how you feel about Jalen Phillips, but you also have arguably the best cornerback tandem in the NFL in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Nick Needham was a great corner, was a great nickel last year. It's just hard not to look at the Dolphins and think if Tua is good, they will be a player in the AFC. And that's going to knock out one of these teams that we expect to be a player like the Broncos. But I just, the way I believe in Zach Wilson, I just don't believe in Tua for some reason. That is that just me? I, I, I just. What Tua is, is a great game manager and like mid-range, mid-range ball thrower, you know? 
I think that that for him, that is what, what the, where the strengths are. But I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see a game changing talent. I, I genuinely don't either. And I think, you know, that might be part of the reason why you saw they picked up somebody like Tyreek Hill. It's somebody where, you know, he doesn't need to make more than that intermediate throw to, to get it to that guy who's now going to break two tackles and he's going to get you 10 extra, 12 extra yards every time you hit the dude, as long as you give him just a little bit of space to work with. Um, but no, I, I mean, the deep ball in general has always seemed at least like a little bit on the weak side for him. And, you know, maybe that's recovering from the hip. I don't know. You know, it, there's a lot of, of, you know, full body motion that goes into throwing a ball for a quarterback from, from what I've gathered from listening to, you know, like Dan or Jeremiah talk about it and Jordan Palmer talk about it. And so maybe that hip matters a little bit more. And, and maybe is that, you know, he gets more sure in it over the years that it's not going to re-injure itself. He'll get a little more torque on that and be able to throw the ball a little bit harder. But the guy we've seen for the past two years, the guy who got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick repeatedly, I don't know that he's the answer that you you want to be seeing on your, your field right there because, you know, there's only so much a wide receiver can do before he's got the ball. Those are really good points that I hadn't necessarily considered and I think changed the way I look at the Dolphins, to be quite frankly with you, uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, as, as quite frankly is not a phrase that exists in the English language. But um, yeah, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are guys that can win yards after the catch. And if Tua can find the open throws and if – Mike McDaniel's system, like Kyle Shanahan's system, makes playing quarterback insanely easy, then, well, I hate to say it, but the Bills might actually have, like, a threat in, in the division if that if that's the case. I don't think it's going to be quite that good. I, I, I still do think quarterback play – matters and in shootouts you're gonna take josh allen but you make some really compelling points about the miami dolphins that make me truly rethink the way i have them framed here in uh the the larger discussion of the um of the afc as a whole so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out all right. Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, you know, as as a Bills fan, this is probably the team on paper that might scare me the most, just because like we don't know who they have in Mike McDaniel's. We don't have, you know, a year to look at of what he's done as a head coach to be like, all right, well, we kind of know what we're about to get. And their receiver room is so good. Their running back room can has the potential to be so good. That, you know, that they have on paper as long as that defensive line gels the way that they or offensive line gels the way that, you know, you, you would hope that it can over the course of the season. Like they could be really, really dangerous. Awesome. I think that wraps it up for the AFC East. We touched on every team. We spent some time now. Yes. People 
Well, no one's going to get up in arms, honestly. I don't ever get any comments about this podcast, so we can talk about the Bills for longer, and that doesn't really matter. Just, uh, I'm not going to pretend like there's feedback that I have to care about. So, uh, yeah, this, this has been an absolute blast of a time, Mason. Thanks for coming on. Before we leave, I do want to ask you, because – I'd love to have you back on. This is just, uh, we'll, 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 we'll mix in the after show talk to some of the in show talk here. We'll definitely love to have you back on. And during the season, if you're around, I'm planning on doing some recap and preview shows throughout the season and maybe just one show a week, even. And if we can find a way to make our schedules work, I would really love to have you on. You've been a great guest. Uh, it, it's been, it's been a really fun time. My question for you is this. Let's forget about the AFC East. Just forget about it. It doesn't exist. What is the number one team you're the most fascinated by? And you can take this in any direction you want going into this NFL season. Like, like who's like, like who's just kind of stirring your mind in mid July. Who are you like, huh? I wonder what, what, what they're up to. So uh, as far as like morbid curiosity is concerned, because there's a, you know, a couple ways that I would look at it, it, who's really interesting me. It's, it's first, let's go with the morbid curiosity route. It's what the hell is going to happen in the Panthers quarterback room. You've got Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold now having to dogfight one another for the starting chance to hopefully not suck. Uh, that is going to be, an absolutely fascinating watch. I mean, and you like they paid Sam Darnold so much money. And so you would think that the money talks and that he should have the best chance to win the starting job, but it's like over the past three years, who's been the better quarterback. It's not Sam Darnold. So that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then other than that, um, you know, you, you follow Zach Wilson um, because of where he was from. Uh, There's a guy who actually came through the university of Buffalo uh, which is a super rare thing for us to get guys who come through here and then are actually like reasonably known picks. And Khalil Mack is the guy who came through here and absolutely like I, when he was coming out, I really hoped he was the guy we were going to get. And at first no one was talking about him. Cause again, you be, you know, who knows who this guy is. And so they're thinking maybe somewhere in the twenties, he's going to go. And then weeks leading up to it, he shot up the board and went, I think fifth to the Raiders or something like that. Just or, Bear, yeah, Raiders. And now he's on the Chargers. And I love the Chargers in general. I, I loved them back when they were in San Diego with Philip Rivers. I always thought they were just like a really fun watch and just like a really entertaining team. And like, I want to see him take it to the Rams and be better than them this year and actually get some foothold there. Well, let me just say, we're going to jail really well because, well, welcome, welcome to the only podcast in the world that has a host that's a Broncos fan. That's perhaps an even bigger closet Chargers fan, as I like to call myself. I have just loved the Chargers from the word go about, I think like the second to last year, Philip Rivers was there. I had like a three-year streak on this podcast of picking them to go to the AFC championship game. (laughs) I love the Chargers more than just about anything on this earth. And yet I'm a Broncos fan. I want the Broncos to win always and forever. But 
man, something about the Chargers just makes me warm and fuzzy inside, and I I, I love them. So welcome to the fan club, Mason. We are two Closet Chargers fans, hopefully podcasting again. I know you don't have a huge social media presence. If there's anywhere, anything you would like to plug, anything you, you would like to say about yourself to close the podcast here, if not, that's also totally fine. But I'm just going to leave the floor to you, and, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I did. I did put a little thought into this because, no, I do not. If, uh, you know, you find out how to follow me on social media, I can absolutely promise you it will be some of the most boring following you will do in your entire life. Uh, it is very, very empty. But if that's what you're into, people not cluttering up your feet, I might be the best follow you've ever had. He I, might be. I'm not going to be there. He might be. You know, Let, worried listen. about what I'm about to say. Practically nothing. Listen, let's just say this. Why don't you throw out the Twitter Twitter handle? Exactly like pretty consistently, this podcast has 25 listeners. You currently have five followers on Twitter. Let's see if you can get if we can get you to 10 followers by the next time you come on. Oh, man. All right. Well, it is at Mason, M-A-S-O-N-B-U-C-I-O-R. And I'm going to leave the last name of mystery for this time. Right. Because it's more fun when no one knows how to pronounce it. Awesome. Uh, if you're Polish, you very well might know how to pronounce it. So that's I thought it was Italian. So that... French, French is usually what we get. But uh, <laughs> so I have thought about what to plug. And it's a it's a very fun thing that I learned about that I had no idea happened. Uh, it was an event back in the 1930s and it happened in Australia. And the Australian military waged, and we'll use air quotes for this, a war against emus, the giant flightless bird. And they fought them for a couple of months until they eventually withdrew, effectively losing a war against emus. And if you think that's hilarious, you have to look up more about it. There are genuine quotes from some of the military officers who were involved in it, explaining some of what happened. And some of the quotes are just genuine madness. And you have no idea what any of these human beings could possibly have been thinking when this went down. But they were genuinely beaten so bad that they were asked for assistance, I believe, four more times over the next 10 years and refused every single time to come out and help with the EMU problem after such a devastating loss in the war. So uh, for anybody else who did not know that there was an EMU war that had happened, it did. And it's well worth every bit that you read into it. Wow. Let me just say, I've been looking my entire life for someone who will put some nonsense out on this podcast that competes with my nonsense, which is pretty nonsensical at points. And you just did it. I, I never thought in my wildest dream we'd be talking about emu wars on this football podcast. But here we are. We've accomplished that goal. And with that, <laughs> That's a very good night to all to all our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at EndzonePod. Follow me on Twitter at Eric18Utah at Eric Jensen Sport. We will have another podcast out likely next Wednesday. Hoping that we'll have one out next Wednesday. If not, keep an eye on the podcast feed. Easiest thing to do. Just hit follow. Just hit subscribe. You don't even have to listen, but you can just pick and choose. That's a beautiful thing about podcasts. You can pick and choose the ones that look interesting to you and, uh, and, and go after them that way. Anyhow, 
We will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the End Zone Podcast. Thank you again, Mason, for joining us. We will see you next week. Peace out.